Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gundog world. You will hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think it would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogityourself.com and complete the form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. This week, we have Nolden Sorensen on the line. Nolden, how you doing? Well, Nick, doing a lot better than I deserve. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Go ahead and uh, start off telling everybody where you're from and what kind of dog you own. All right. Well, I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. I was born and raised up in the mountain town of Gunnison, Colorado, which is known for good elk hunting but not necessarily bird hunting so yeah <laughs> it's been a struggle for that but uh, i got a uh, black lab three-year-old black lab named buster nice and so how long were you planning on uh getting a black lab you just said that you know the area that you're in and in, in the greatest for bird hunting so what made you want to get into bird dogs well, I tell you what, uh, you know bird hunting has been in my family for a long time my gra- my grandfather was raised in southern illinois which is kind of hollowed grounds for bird hunting especially waterfowling and uh, he actually took me out on my first duck hunt and we sat there in the reeds with my grandfather and my brother and an old 16 gauge double barrel that he used to shoot when he was a kid and got our first bird and boy i was hooked from then on and so the funny story about the dog um, my daughter she was getting ready to uh, go to Air Force basic training. I'm a I'm an Air Force guy myself, and still uh, still doing it full time. And she was getting ready to go, and came home from work one day, and she says, "Dad, I got a uh, present for you. Do you want it now, or when I get home from basic training?" I said, "Well, we can wait till after basic training." And she says, "Well, I kind of got to give it to you now." <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> for, out behind her back, she gives me a, a training dummy, and we have a bloodhound. And uh, I said, oh, are we going to make the bloodhound a retriever? <laughs> and 
<laughs> and then she handed me a, uh, a training DVD by old Jeremy Moore, which is it's a if if nobody's ever gotten that uh, Puppy Basics training DVD, I highly recommend it. So she gave me that, and I said, "Boy, you really are wanting to make the Bloodhound a Retriever." And then from behind her back, she pulls this black lab puppy, <laughs> and. And unlike most guys, I was absolutely furious because I didn't want two dogs in the house at one time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the good Lord got the better of me. And he said, you know, it was a really thoughtful gift. And uh, if you train this dog up the way you want, you can go hunting whenever you darn well please. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I'm glad that she didn't wait till after basic training to give you the pup. But, uh, what you know, what talk us through, you just got this puppy dropped on your lap. So what was it like? you know, kind of getting over your reluctancy to have a second dog and tell us a little bit about the journey and, and starting off the training and getting the puppy associated, uh, with its new, new life and new home. You bet. So yeah, from that, it, it took me about five minutes to get over my being, being mad about her giving it to me and surprising it with me. So so what I did, I, I watched that, uh, training DVD and I said, you know what? I can, I can sit here and be mad about this, or I can try to make this the best dog I possibly can. So we started off on the real basic obedience stuff, um, you know, sit, stay, heal, those sorts of things, uh, training on a lead. And boy, he was just taken to it really, really well. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take this to the next step. And so we started introducing, uh, you know, just playing fetch and, and, uh, you know, I went and got a pheasant wing and we'd, we'd just play with that and have a blast with it and things were going so well. And he was just taken to it so naturally that I thought I, I really better step up my game and do this dog justice. Yeah. So I started watching, started watching, uh, a bunch of DVDs. I had an old, uh, Richard, uh, Wolters book, a gun dog book that I read from time to time. Um, and you know, we just, we went from there and started introducing him to, uh, the loud noises as he was having fun fetching. Uh, I would actually take those little snap caps that you have, uh, you know, that Halloween time, you kind of throw them on the ground and they pop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he was, uh, when he was fetching that pheasant wing and just having fun with it and building his, his love for fetching, I would kind of throw those off in the distance and get, just get him used to things popping while he was, going out and doing his job and he took to that real well. So we started using party poppers and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a guy that I look around and tries to figure out what I can do with the, what I have rather than going out and buying a training pistol or anything like that. So absolutely, that's what we did. And boy, he just took to it and, and, uh, and, you know, I, I would say the rest is history, but it, it really isn't because as you well know, we run into a lot of problems when, uh, especially, uh, new guys to the to training. I mean, I'd never really trained a dog before. And so a lot of problems presented themselves. <laughs> well, what are some of those problems? I mean, I know that you just started talking about some of your sources and, and figuring it out, but you know, it, it ultimately, it sounds like you had a really good problem. Like the dog was succeeding in everything you tried is like, it really just created a problem of you, educating yourself to try and stay out in front of the dog really so what you know what other kind of hurdles and problems did you come across well the uh i was unfamiliar with the force fetch and so you know when uh when he would bring those wings back he uh 
he wouldn't hold on to it. You know, he'd drop them right at my feet, just like I'd like, but he wouldn't hold on to it. So right. I was very, very fortunate to have a guy and I owe a lot to this gentleman. He is, uh, he travels the country, uh, shooting for flushing bird competitions. So if, if he's ever listening to this, you know, huge shout out to Mike Young. He's a fantastic resource and he does a bit of dog training, uh, himself. And he really walked me through that force fetching and, uh, we sat there and did it on the tailgate of my truck nice. and much to his chagrin, I didn't have a training table where I could, <laughs> you know, keep him still, but I, I made the best of it out of the tailgate of my truck and and boy it it just it worked wonders yeah and so as as time went on um he uh the dog was taking the things really well and i thought okay well it's time to introduce this dog to water because you know i like i said i had a love for waterfowling and how how good can a retriever be if he's not used to the water yeah and that's where and that's where we hit the brick wall but he did not like the water one bit interesting and uh just in yeah. general or just going after a retrieve like what did he avoid the water uh you know he would get about ankle deep and he said you know none of that i'm not having any of it <laughs> and so i said well i said to my wife fortunately my, my family was very patient with me because i would take about you know 30 minutes out of my day each day and train this dog both morning and night. Now our training sessions wouldn't last that long, but we would certainly take the time and make that happen every single day. And I attribute that to a lot of his success. And so, uh, I looked at my wife and I said, well, I need my waiters. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and got my waiters and, you know, went in the water and just, uh, kind of slowly introduced him to it. I, I held him in my arms and you know, kind of made made him feel safe that uh, while he was in the water, he still had me, and we got over that training hurdle. And okay. uh, and and then you know we hit another brick wall where um, he just wasn't having he, he didn't have the tenacity to retrieve. He enjoyed retrieving, um, but after a while, and we would try to switch up the training places so it didn't get dull but uh he just he was starting to lose interest he's starting to find other smells a lot more interesting okay so 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 now was this before or after you did the force fetch uh this was after the force fetch okay so he was you know he was holding on to the bird but he was just he he was getting distracted by other things he he would have the bird in his mouth and he'd go smell other things he wouldn't drop it but he would, you know, just not come right back. Okay, so, so so it wasn't really the retrieve so much as it was the the recall or the handoff to you. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So he, yep, he, and I thought, you know what, he's uh, he's just not finding this very interesting. So what I did is I took that bloodhound and. Uh, I'm, I made Buster sit there while that bloodhound went out after the dummy. <laughs> okay. And I tell you what, that, that absolutely sparked his competitive nature. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I, I made him sit there and watch that bloodhound try to retrieve. And of course, you know, a bloodhound would just sit there and kind of fumble around with it. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and so it only took about three or four times of that. And it just ignited a fire within him. And, yeah. 
And now whenever he goes out for a retrieve, it's a bolt of lightning. Wow. Uh, he, he, he wants to get to that bird before any other bu- dog has a chance at it. One, one little trick like that brings a little competitive drive and edge to the dog. And that's, uh, that, that, that's a good lesson. Uh, so the bloodhound, he, he, he didn't really make the cut for the, uh, retrieving program though. No, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we'll still try to train her for, uh, hunting mountain lions or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Well, well, at least she came in handy, uh, kind of helping you get over, uh, some hurdles with the, with the lab. So, so you, you know, you, you've addressed a couple of hurdles right there that naturally you're going to come across when you start training your own dog. And it sounds like, you know, you, you had the water issue, you had the uh, retrieving drive issue really that you, you know, you found solutions for. So what were some of the other hurdles or challenges that you came across uh, training this dog? Well, it went pretty smooth after that. Um, we, I, you know, I introduced him to gunfire and that went very well because he realized that every time he hears bang, he gets to go out on a retrieve. So, um, that all went, that went very well, uh, until we started getting into retrieving, um, birds on dry land. Now he would, if I dropped a duck in the water or a goose in the water, he would go at it, go at it without any questions and just nail it. But if I dropped a bird on dry land, he would, he would go out and just kind of pick at it. Mm. Um, he would pick it up. And, and I think especially with geese, it was so heavy and awkward for him. You know, the, the wings drag on the ground and he trips on that. And, you know, he, he just wasn't, he wasn't picking it up and bringing it back like he should. Yeah. Um, and I tried, I tried, uh, turning up the pressure a little bit on him and, I kind of got negative results with that at first. So I thought, okay, well, I, I didn't do collared conditioning correctly. So I went back to that drawing table and so tried to do the, uh, collar conditioning and then seemed to do okay with that. He didn't like a whole ton of pressure. So we went back to, uh, fetching the birds and same problem. Um, just, had a hard time with those geese. So I took a video of it and I said, you know what? I may need some professional help with this. So I called a, a, a local trainer and I won't mention his name, uh, but called a local trainer and I said, you know, I, I think the dog may need some brush up and wonder if you could help me with that. And so I sent him a video of it and he said, quite honestly, he needs a lot more than a brush up, you know, please send me the dog's pedigree. And I said, well, funny story. This is a surprise dog that uh, my wife and my daughter got for me off the corner by Home Depot. So he has no pedigree. <laughs> and boy, this train, this trainer says, well, I suggest you get a new dog <laughs> from, a re- from a reputable breeder. Well, so. Nolden, did you not realize that the reason why the dog couldn't pick up a goose or a duck in the field was because he didn't have papers? He couldn't, he couldn't read his pedigree. He didn't know his genetic lineage. I mean, you didn't know that. That's right. Well, you know, that dog has a hard time reading when he picks up a book, he makes it through the picture books, but that's about it. So, so I'm assuming you didn't go to this trainer for, for help after that conversation. Absolutely not. I, you know, I, I thanked him for his opinion and I said, you know, this is, this is by far the best dog I've ever had. 
because um, I have had dogs that have come from pedigree, and this is by far the best one I've ever had. Mm. So I thanked him for his opinion, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make this make this dog love this. So, you know, like I mentioned, Air Force guy, so do quite a bit of PT. So what I did was I froze a goose, and uh, whenever we'd go out on training runs, I'd just have him fetch that bird and hold it in his mouth while we went on runs. And that did a couple things. It strengthened his neck, got him used to that, and it also got him used to realizing that, boy, that bird in my mouth isn't so bad of a thing at all because I get to go out on a run. So, so hold on. Yeah. You mean to tell me that it was really just kind of a uh, neck conditioning thing that a goose weighed a lot and it was big and awkward and it was kind of a confidence issue with the dog and it wasn't the fact that he couldn't read? That, you know what? I think that's the ter- determination we've come to. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next time we went out, boy, he went out and picked it up with tenacity. And, and now, it, you know, if there's ever a hesitation, I just, you know, give him a, a gentle reminder. And, you know, turn up that pressure one time and that's all he needs. And it has completely resolved itself. I'm just, I'm just glad, you know, that it obviously didn't deter you. It didn't slow you down, but you get, you have to ask yourself when, when a pro trainer tells that to somebody that, you know, you said that you've had a few dogs, maybe that pro trainer is talking to somebody on their first dog, right? And the person doesn't really know any better. And they hear that from a pro trainer when they reach out for help. Oh, I don't have papers on my dog. So that means, you know, I have to get rid of it or get a new dog. You know, it, it, it's stories like that, which is why this podcast exists is, you know, it, it really ultimately ends up deterring people from getting involved in training their own dogs. Well, and it's unfortunate too, because I think a lot, a lot of hunters can have some really stellar dogs if they would just one, number one, take the time, but number two, listen to podcasts like yourself and really not pay attention to the folks that say, oh, you have to have papers or that dog is no good. Now, is, is there a lot to instincts and, and bloodlines? I'm sure there is, Yeah, but at the end of the day, we got to remember these, these are family members and we're not just going to get rid of them and go find the best dog we that money can buy. For sure. I, I mean, to, you know, when we're talking to people and advising people on how to research and look at their next dog and their next puppy, you know, we advise everybody to, to try and find, find the right line and, and the pedigree and, and the paperwork's part of that, obviously figuring out the right breeder, but you know, uh, somebody like in your situation, your daughter just showed up with this black lab pup and you're training it, you're making it happen and you're getting good results from it. But you know, maybe there's that first time dog owner that just truly did not know any better first starting out. And instead of like really guiding them and, and helping them along and trying to teach them the right way, quote unquote, to do this, you got pro trainers out there saying stuff like that to where it's just like, really? you know, that's not going to get anybody anywhere to where you need to get a new dog. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And you know, with a surprise dog, what, what options do you have? You're, exactly. you're going to make the best of it. Yeah. So let me tell you, so was it really that simple? Just start doing a bunch of carry drills uh, while you're out jogging and doing PT with the dog that pretty much solved your, your issues in the, in the dry field, picking up geese. Yep, that solved the majority of it. And then if, if he has ever hesitated, I went back to that, uh, you know, that collar conditioning and I just gave him a, a bump on the 
number one and boy he just got after that goose and said oh yeah boss this is exactly what you want yeah my my bad for uh ignoring what you what you needed (laughs) and he just and he just absolutely loves it um you can see the desire in that dog's eye fantastic so so really it's he quote unquote finished you know these dogs are never really truly finished but is he kind of quote unquote finished for what you're what you're wanting and needing because you know what's what's your end goal for this dog at the end of the day the the most thing i want is a hunting partner that that can read my mind you know as much as a dog can and know exactly what I need from that dog. And in that sense, absolutely he's finished because um, we actually went goose hunting the other day and we were hunting in an A-frame blind and the profile was a little too tall and geese were flaring at it. And so we decided, you know what, there's this ditch here. We're going to lay down in this ditch and put this white cover on us because there was snow on the ground. And that dog got under that cover and just peeked the first inch of his nose out just so he could see the birds and watch them fly and mark them when they land. And to me, that right there, um, you know, a, a dog that will, he, he won't break at the shot. He won't go until I send him. As soon as I send him, he makes a beeline out to that bird. Doesn't hesitate one bit, grabs that bird and brings it right back. And, and all he's looking for is that praise. I tell you what, that's the most finished dog I could ever find. Oh, yeah. No, um, that's fantastic. I mean, it boils down to cooperation. I mean, it, it truly does. You have a dog that can just kind of go with you on the fly like that, go go underneath a, a white blanket as opposed to an A-frame and still mark and get all your birds for you and bring it to hand. I mean, you, you can't ask for anything better than that. And we've been very fortunate. Uh, you know, I've taken him on a lot of different hunting trips. We've, we've gone and hunted... Uh, Sage grouse, rough grouse, pheasants, you know, geese, ducks, doves. I mean, we've hunted a lot, even even some chuckers. And so he's got a lot of experience under his belt. And exposing him to all those different situations has really, really helped. Um, especially that you know he can he can even get into jump shooting ducks where we're actually sneaking. We're I'm belly crawling up through reeds and sneaking up through these reeds and he's doing the same thing and he's keeping five foot distance behind me. Mm. And if I tell him to stay, he stays. Or if I send him around to the other side to help me to help bust those birds towards me, he does it. And to me, that's, that's a hunting partner right there. And yeah, just the greatest thing ever. Couldn't be happier. Absolutely. No, I couldn't say anything more than that what you already did and and i know from our uh, previous discussion you're involved in uh, really introducing a lot of people to the outdoors and uh your lab uh even without papers is really influencing and getting people involved in the outdoors you want to tell us about the uh the, the organization that you're involved in absolutely no i appreciate that the uh I've been fortunate actually when uh, my daughter gave me that dog about a week earlier, we had gone out on a, uh, on a duck hunt provided by the wounded veterans waterfowl club. And you know, it's, it's for veterans by veterans and they take veterans out on 100% completely free waterfowl hunts. And you know, it, that kind of sparked two great journeys in my life. One 
was training this dog. The other one was giving back. And ever since then, I've uh, been a volunteer with the Wounded Veterans Waterfowl Club and just became president of the Colorado chapter here. And to see that dog, when we take uh, wounded vets and veterans, you know, both retired and active duty, when we take them out on hunts, um, whether it be their first time or they've did it when they were a kid and they're just trying to get back into it to try to relieve some of the stress from deployments and, and injuries and things like that. When we're sitting there in the blind and we have, we're fortunate enough to have the, those birds come in and do it just right and we drop a few of them and that bird goes out, retrieves, makes a great retrieve and retrieves it right to that veteran's hand. It's something of magic. It really is. Um, there's something ignited in them. And I can't tell you how good of a feeling it is to give back to folks that, you know, give everything. Um, and if I can help just a few more hunters get into that, um, boy, it just makes my day. Absolutely. And the greatest thing is when these veterans uh, bring their kids along with them. I tell you, that, that's, <laughs> that's worth its weight in gold because you get the veteran out and you get their kids out. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's it, it's definitely a great cause, and I mean something that I, honestly would would have made for a great spotlight episode uh, that we were doing a few months ago. You know, may, maybe we need to uh, go ahead and spark one up and and do another one sometime soon, and uh, just you know throw that out there. But but until then, do you want to go ahead and tell everybody where if they're interested in that organization or getting involved or anything like that, where they can find that and. Uh, and maybe get in touch with somebody. Absolutely. So if, uh, if you're interested and you're a, you're a veteran, uh, obviously wounded veterans get priority, but you know, at the end of the day, we're just interested in getting veterans out on these hunts. It's a hundred percent completely free. What you can do is they can go to, uh, www.woundedveteranswaterfowlclub.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. We actually have three different chapters. Uh, we have a chapter up in Washington, which uh, I can't, those guys do an incredible job up there. We have a chapter here in Colorado. We're starting a new one out in Wisconsin. So if there's, if there's veterans in other states that are interested um, in either coming out and joining one of those chapters for a hunt, or maybe even if they're interested in starting up a chapter on their own, uh, please visit that website and, and email us the email's right on there and boy, we'll get back in touch with you and we'll get you out on the best hunt so that we possibly can and just make make this great thing that we call bird hunting a part of more and more people's lives and try and get them the respite and and uh good times that they need to get over some of those tough times absolutely no sounds great and i'm glad you're able to come on and and uh share that bit of information and glad and and thankful for what you guys do for the veterans and getting people involved and and nolden i appreciate you coming on making the time sharing your story and uh yeah if you don't have anything else to add you know we'll call it call it a wrap for tonight well nick i I do gotta say one more thing i can't tell you how much i appreciate your podcast because there's there's a few things here and there that i've struggle with along the journey and your podcast has really helped me out on that a couple tips and tricks and especially the duck search boy we've been working on that and that particular episode we were able to get a veteran his 
very first goose that he's ever dropped. And we dropped it in the middle of some just wicked uh, cattails. And they were thick as could be. And boy, Buster searched and searched and searched. And about 5, 10, 15 minutes later, he come up with that, that goose. So that goose was trying to wander off on us, and he made the retrieve. Fantastic. So without that. Without that, that wouldn't have happened. So no. you're to thank for that. <laughs> well, you did the work. I just came on here and just threw out what little bit of knowledge I have. And, and that's why we do it is if we can help anybody in any slight, small way, then that, that's what we're here for. And, and I'm glad it helped you. And I appreciate the kind words. And, and again, you know, that, that right there is it's why we do this. You know, it, 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 he recovered a, a bird that, you know, maybe otherwise you wouldn't have and uh, got a veteran as duck. I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that. Uh, I think we made him an addict. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Well, <laughs> Melden, again, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we may have to check back here uh, in a couple months or a few weeks or something like that and uh, do a do a full on spotlight episode again. But uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Really appreciate your time as well, Nick. And uh, yeah, you all do the same. We'll talk real soon. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.